Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. Today we're, we're stepping back into this incredible book called Mark. It's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it's written of the accounts of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus. And what I love about the book of Mark is he just comes out of the gate. The theme of the book of Mark is immediately, 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 God or Jesus healed immediately. Jesus left immediately. There's this urgency in the heart of Mark as he's writing this because he's a man of action. And we're going to read an account today when Jesus comes into, into contact with someone that normal people, regular people wouldn't want to touch. But what we're going to see is Jesus immediately transforms and changes his life. And because I believe that when we, read, when we read passages that we're going to read in just a moment of Jesus healing someone, restoring someone, here is the reality. Jesus still heals today. And I hope you understand that. This isn't a denominational thing. This isn't a, a certain group of people thing. This is a biblical thing that Jesus still heals today. And so we're going to believe that. And I just want to open, before we get into this passage of maybe something to build your faith today. I was actually in Thailand with Ajay and Nancy, which they're doing such an amazing work there. They are true champions. They truly walk in an apostolic mantle and calling. I'm just, I'm really honored to call them my friends and for us as a church to be able to support them. But I went up to this mountain with Ajay and it's called Elephant Mountain. I don't know why it's, why is it called Elephant Mountain? It's, the mountain looks like an elephant. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So it's called Elephant Mountain. So we went up there for a celebration, and, and God has used this couple with their team to plant hundreds of churches all over this area, reaching the Aka people. They're also in areas of the world that we can't really speak of, but God is changing a, a whole group of people, a whole people group through what he, he's doing through the faithfulness of this couple. Can we just give God thanks for that? I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, um, I don't know if you remember this, Ajay, or not, but uh, we, we were there. We arrived in Elephant Mountain, and a lot of people were coming up and greeting us and greeting Ajay because he's their, their, their spiritual um, overseer in, in many different um, villages throughout the, the Yaka tribe. And so, we arrived there, and this woman comes up, and she's holding on to the, to the arm of another woman, and she walks up, and, and you can see that she's blind. And so, she comes up to, to Ajay, and I'm standing there with Ajay, and she's like, will you pray for me? He says, oh, sure, I'll pray for you. What, what do you need? I'm blind. I'd like to see. Okay. So he prays for her. And I'm, so I thought, oh, listen, I'm getting in on this. This looks fun. So I'm praying. And, and Ajay prays. He says, hey, man. He says, can you see? She says, oh, I can see a little bit. He says, okay, let's pray again. He prayed again. She, can you see? She opens her eyes. She looks around. Yeah, I can see. Thank you. And she walks away. <laughs> I remember thinking, um, Hey, excuse me, Ajay, so she couldn't see? Yeah, she couldn't see. And she can see now? Yeah, she can see now. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? It was amazing. It was amazing. And so God's the same. He's the same God. Jesus is the same Jesus as he was. 
as he was in the Bible as he is today. And he wants to meet us and transform us and change us. So we're going to go on a journey, still in the book of Mark, out of chapter 1. We're going to read this account of Jesus and we're going to move through it today. And I'm going to need to move a little quicker because of our time. And so just put your seatbelt on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mark chapter 1, verses 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place. Now, he was staying at Peter's house. The verses before this, Jesus was ministering to a lot of people, healing a lot of people. Left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you, Jesus. Like, and, and I, what I love this, hey, Jesus, I, I don't know what you're doing here, but everybody's looking for you. And so apparently a crowd had come up to Peter's house. They're like, hey, knocking on the door. Hey, we want some more of Jesus. We want some miracles. Come meet us. And so they said, Jesus, what are you doing? You're not, you're out here praying. You don't have time to pray. You're out here meeting with the Father. You don't have time to meet with the Father. you got a lot of work to do. So Jesus, come on, let's get back. And this is what I love, like Jesus. He's like, he's like the best leader ever. This is what he says. All right, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. Notice, notice he didn't say so I can heal there also. Now, healing is still a part of the ministry of Jesus, but he came to proclaim a message about himself. And the scripture goes on. That is why I have come. That's why he came. I've come to preach. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching. Everybody say preaching. Preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So he was coming up to people who were possessed, who were, who were tormented by demonic spirits, and he would pray for them, and those spirits would leave. I, I've, I've also seen this as I've, I've been able to travel and minister and, and been able to experience people who were tormented by demonic spirits. But I want you to know something today, that a demonic spirit has zero authority over the name of Jesus. I want you to know that. So he's preaching and he's like, demon come out and it leaves and then he just keeps on preaching. He's preaching in the synagogue, driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and he begged him on his knees, if you are willing, Jesus, you can make me clean. And Jesus was indignant and he reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. And then Jesus sent him away. Jesus said, go away at once. But here's the warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Testimony that one, you're clean. The other testimony is this, that, that I am the Messiah. I am the one who has come. I heal, I preach, and I also heal. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter the town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So here we are, this amazing story of Jesus encountering people, preaching the gospel, moving the kingdom forward. And, and what I love about it is you, you hear Jesus also, you hear him prioritizing his life as he had been ministering to, to hundreds of people, healing hundreds of people, preaching to hundreds of people. He had to get away 
And even with the demand of people was, no, come back and help us, come back. And he says, no, we need to go somewhere else. And this was just Jesus prioritizing his ministry. One, so he didn't wear himself out. Two, so that he could carry on the mission in which God had called him to carry on. And so what I love about this whole idea is that Jesus is a preacher. He's a proclaimer. He preaches the kingdom. He preaches about himself. He preaches of the goodness of God. And you think, well, yeah, yeah, I know that, Jason, but think about this. God had one son, one, and he sent him not only as the lamb of God that died for the sins of the world, but he sent him and made him a preacher. There's something powerful about words when we use them and they're anointed by God. It pierces the hearts of men and women. One of the things I pray before I ever preach, I say, God, I ask you that you would anoint my words, that they would pierce the hearts of mankind and they could see how amazing and how wonderful you actually are and how much you love them. That's what I ask God for because they're they're just words. They're just air moving through vocal cords that move. And I got a flappy tongue in the middle of my mouth. If you think about it, they're just words. But when they are anointed by God, they break yokes. They break bondages. They command demons to come out. The gospel lands in the hearts of men and women and lives are changed forever. That's what we want. And Jesus set the example of what it means to be a preacher. And I believe actually as a pastor, one of the main functions of a pastor is to preach the unadulterated word of God, to proclaim it. That's what I believe. And so I do my best to do that. And a lot of my pastor friends do their best to do that. But Jesus moved from preaching into touching this man who was a leper. He was an outcast. No one wanted to be around him. They had all these rules set up where he couldn't be around people. He couldn't be around the religious people. He couldn't be around the Jewish people. He couldn't be around kosher people. He had to be cast outside. And this was actually because God set some things in place in Leviticus that kept lepers outside of the normal community. Now, there is some there are some connections, some parallels that we're going to look at of why I believe God set those things into place because leprosy is connected with the stain and the result of sin in our lives. Not, not that leprosy is just a result of sin as, as it is, but there are some parallels at how leprosy affects an individual and how sin affects an individual as well. So really there's no comparison to this, to this disease. And let me just, just let me tell you a little bit about the person who has leprosy. One, they had to stay at least 50 paces away from other people. They were outcasts. When they might be around other people or they might be coming near other people, and, and instead of just, just keeping to themselves, they had to declare, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. What they're saying is, no one can touch me, I'm worthless, I can't be a part of society, I'm all alone, I'm unclean, stay away from me. And so for this leper who was outcast. He was all alone. He was empty. He was broken. He was sick. And he comes to this man, this Savior named Jesus. But this is what I want to tell you today. This story of leprosy applies to every person in this room. So what does this story have to do with us? Number one, we all suffer from a disease that makes us unclean. It's called sin. Everybody say sin. It's called sin. 
Every person on the planet is born under this curse called sin. Now, when we're born under the curse of sin, it's not like, it's not like we, 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 you know, we come out of the womb wielding like a, a switchblade and a, and, a, and a gun. That's a weird visual, but that, I, that's not... It's not we come, we come out, out of, out of the, the, the womb with these filthy thoughts, but we do come out of the womb with the tendency to sin. It, it becomes, a, it's, it's a part of who we are. It's a, it's a part of, a, of our nature. And really what this, this, what this was spoken about in the Old Testament in Leviticus, leprosy was seen as a curse of God. And since it was a curse of God, the only one who could cleanse a leper would be God himself. All of us are born under the curse of sin. The only one who can cleanse us from this curse of sin is God himself. And so this is all of us are born with this disease. But what are, what are some things that we can learn from leprosy and see how it also we can learn how sin affects our life? Number, number two, that sin starts small, but it eventually takes over everything. If you don't deal with sin in your life, it, starts, it can start small, but it eventually takes over everything. No one wakes up or has ever woken up with full-blown full, full leprosy, but it begins small. Same way with sin. No one wakes up and says, today, I'm going to cheat on my wife. Today, I, I'm, I, today I'm, going, I'm going to abuse alcohol. Today, the, no one goes from not doing it to doing it. It is a slow process of compromises, one after another after another, Thoughts that we didn't control, thoughts that we never came to Jesus and we never totally submitted ourselves under him. It was a slow fade into something that has taken over our lives. And the reality is this, just like leprosy, leprosy, what it does is it deadens your senses, your nerves. And so one of the reasons why lepers were so um, they were plagued with so much injury is that they couldn't feel like if, if they were standing next to a fire, they couldn't feel that their skin was being burned. And so there was always infection. They would, they would a lot of times they would, they would crush their hands. A lot of times they would crush their feet or their toes and they would lose a lot of them because they would injure them and they didn't know that they had injured them. They would then remain infected, infected and they would end up losing them. It's the same way of what sin does to our own conscience. As, as we have sin, if we don't deal with sin, the Bible calls it, it's, it, it's like a, it sears our conscience. In other words, that which used to make you feel guilty or, or you could sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the more that you don't listen to the Holy Spirit, the more that you can't hear the Holy Spirit and your conscience is seared. It's the same way. The nerve endings of our conscience stops feeling. It's the same thing. It's our, it's our daily choices. And this is what I know about this whole idea. If you don't deal with sin, even, even as you are saved, if you give your life to Jesus and as a compromise, if you don't deal with it, if you don't say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry, forgive me. If you just allow it to be, guess what? It's a compromise. And let me, let me give you some advice today. Every compromise leads to another compromise. You're not going to stop with one. 
You think you are? Well, this is, this. I, I even heard someone say before, well, listen, every Christian has to have their vice. Excuse me? The problem is that vice leads to another vice and leads to another vice and leads to another vice and their conscience becomes seared and it leads to something they never thought they would ever end up doing. No one ever thought that the, the small compromise of, of flirting with someone in the workplace would cause them to crush the heart of their spouse. No one ever thought that, that, that something that they allowed in their life would, would cause their children to be ashamed of them. No one, no one ever thought that. They didn't start off that way. It was a small compromise that we never ran to Jesus and said, Lord, help me. I'm sorry. Please give me your grace to continue to move on. Another Comparison to leprosy and sin in our lives is this, is that sin keeps us from God's best. It keeps us. For the leper, the, the rules are set up. They, the moment they were deemed to have leprosy, they were cast out of the community, they were cast out of their families, and they had to go and live in, in, an, in isolation. That's the moment. They knew they lost everything. Everything good in their life, they lost and it's the same way in our lives. This is exactly what sin does. It isolates a person from the blessing of God. Listen, I, I, I will know this. When somebody, all of a sudden, if they were totally committed and, and in a small group and serving, and so you small group leaders and those of you um, who are in small groups, all eight, 800 and something of you, this is what you'll see. Someone will be on the small, in a small group and there's a compromise and you might be aware of it and you'll say something to them and all of a sudden you'll see a distance happen between that person and the group and the community that God's brought into their lives. Why? Because what happens, sin begins to slowly isolate you from that which is your strength and your hope and the answer. That's what it does. Same way of leprosy. The moment that as, as leprosy increases, it, it causes the person to be more in isolation. As you allow sin to remain in your life, it will separate you from the body of Christ, the family of believers, the people around you that love you who are saying, hey, listen, come hell or high water, I'm going to walk with you through this. And Jesus can meet you right where you are. But it isolates you from that. It keeps you from God's best in your life. Isaiah 59, 2 says this, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. In other words, I just don't feel God's presence anymore. So that now he will not hear. Listen, the, the God, God will hear what, if you are in, in, in sin and you are compromising, I tell you, God will hear one prayer from you, and it's this one. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And he will come back into your life, and all of a sudden, he, he will hear everything about your life. But that's the key that unlocks your relationship with God, is repentance, is coming to him. Another comparison is this. Without healing from sin, or same with leprosy, it will lead to death. It will destroy you. Leprosy wasn't terminal immediately. And the sorry, leprosy itself was not terminal, but most people died because of complications with it, the infection of it, the effect of it on your life. And actually, when a, when a leper would go 
And if, if they thought to have leprosy, they would have to go to a priest. They would then, then do, I believe it was around a 14-day type of test. If they realized the person had leprosy, then what would happen? They would pray a prayer over the person who has leprosy. But it wasn't a prayer of blessing. It was actually a funeral prayer. That the leopard was, leper was considered dead from the moment they were declared unclean. And this is accurate description to us in sin in our, in our own lives. That we, if we don't deal with this sin, it will lead to death. You think it will not, I promise you it will. Scripture says out of James 1, says this, each person is tempted. So it, every person is tempted. Temptation is not a sin. When they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. So they are tempted. And this is about giving in to that temptation. Then after the, the desire has been conceived, you've acted on it. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. This is the process. Temptation to conception, to acting on it, to not dealing with it, and you die. And that's really what it is, is that if we have unconfessed sin in our lives and we just think we can just keep it in there and listen, you can't. Or if you've never given your life to Jesus, you would be called, considered a dead person walking because sin will lead you to death. A, a, a heart that's not open to God leads to death. So how do we approach God to be cleaned? How do we do this? The leper did something cor courageous. He, he ran to God. He threw his, himself down at the, at the feet of Jesus. He didn't come in, hey, excuse me, excuse me. Hey, Jesus. He didn't do that. No, there was, this, there was this humility. There was this admittance of need of a Savior. And he runs to Jesus and he comes to him. Number one, this is how we approach to be clean. We come in humility. It's a sense of God. I need you. Lord, I have blown it. God, I, I am unclean. God, I've made mistakes. God, my, my, I, I just, I've gotten some things out of order and I come to you in humility. And when you come in humility, God pours his favor out on you. That's why 1 Peter 5 says this. It says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. I believe today there are people walking around with pain, with emptiness, with darkness of their souls, with, with broken lives and broken families. Why? Because they, they could not humble themselves to say, Jesus, I need you. Your answer of healing, your answer of, of salvation, your answer of deliverance, your answer is, is simply behind this act right here. Humility. On the other side of humility, Jesus is waiting to meet you today. Another way that we can approach God for healing is this, with belief in our hearts. we got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. we got to believe that he has the ability to touch us, to heal us, to restore us, to bring deliverance to us. we got to believe that he can give us peace in the midst of our darkest, most empty hour. we got to believe it. And, and to Jesus, the leper said this, if you're willing, if you're willing. 
And before Jesus can touch us, we need to believe that he can. Now, oh, Jason, I struggle with belief. I, I, listen, I know. I understand. I've been there. But this is what I know about God. He does, he's not asking you to be Mr. Spiritual Superman or Superwoman. Scripture, he's just asking for a, some faith the size of a mustard seed. The very act that you would come to him and ask him is an act of faith that somewhere in your heart you believe that he can meet you. And that's what God invites us. He invites us to believe in our hearts. So what, what does Jesus say when we come to him? What does Jesus say when we, when, when we come in humility, when we come with belief in our heart, when we, when we recognize we need him? No matter what your need is, I know in this room there's hundreds of needs in this room. You're believing for God to touch your body. You're believing for God to maybe deliver you. You're believing for God maybe to, to help you get off the, the, the pain medicine or the, the pain pills that you're on. You're believing for God to, to, to cleanse your mind from the pornography you've been looking at. You're believing for God to restore your, your broken, strained marriage that no one knows about. You're, you're believing God to give you victory over the impulses of your flesh. You're believing God to, to maybe heal your heart from a broken relationship and to restore trust in, in the the opposite sex because you were hurt in, some, in, a, in a relationship that broke your heart. What is it that you need? God can meet you there and God can heal you. And this is what God says to you when you come with your heart in your hand, when you come with, with brokenness in your heart, when you come realizing, God, I can't do this alone. And we come to him and we're, we're fragile and we're vulnerable and we say, oh God, I need you so much. Lord, are you willing to meet me in my darkest, emptiest hour? And I'm, let me, please hear me today. The words of your Savior and the one who wields all power says this, point number one, I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. Lord, are you willing to save me because I've blown it? I'm in trouble with the law. I've abused people. I've hurt people. I've, I, 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 I live the life of just filthiness and rebellion. I do whatever. God, are you willing? And he says, I am willing. Your Lord is willing to touch you today. And so as you come and, and, he, and you realize he's willing, and then you, you realize the, the filth of it all. See, the conviction of the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you in your heart how, how much you need him. That which, which you thought wasn't a big deal, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit reveals to you, oh my gosh, that's a huge deal. And you feel the weight of sin. We will never repent of, of things that we don't, we don't even know are wrong. We'll never repent of things that we think are okay. That's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit that comes and speaks to us and reveals to us 
I need him. Reveals to us the weight of our sin. Reveals to us the, the darkness of our hearts. And we come and we throw ourselves at Jesus' feet and we think, and we think there's no way I can be cleansed. There's no way that I can be forgiven. There's no way that I can be healed. My soul's too dark. My mind's too dark. And we run and we throw our feet at the feet of Jesus out of humility, out, out of our hearts, cry for him. And you know how he answers the realization of the darkness of your heart that you think can never be cleansed? This is how he answers. Point two. We have it here. Point two. Be clean. That's how he answers it. Be clean. Oh, God, I can't be clean. No, he says, be clean. And when the Savior of the world says, be clean, something happens in your heart. It's just like, just like when God created, he spoke, and it was. When Jesus says, be clean, it is, whether you think it can happen or not. He says, be clean. What I love about the story of Jesus is this leper who is an outcast, who is a, who is a nobody, who comes in, and people are gasping and running from them because they can't be near him. He runs to Jesus. He throws his, his life at the feet of Jesus, and he cries out to Jesus, and he declares, you are now clean. And that's what he's looking for in us as well. You think you've gone too far? No, you haven't. You just haven't gone the right, to the right place. Jesus is the right place. And then after Jesus touches you, transforms you, and changes you, he then gives you a mission. And this is the mission that he gives you, point three. He says, now I want you to go show. I want you to go tell. I want you to be a part of being a mouthpiece for me. I want you to share my love. I want you to tell people what I've done. I want you to tell people, hey, listen, I once had leprosy, but now, so look, look, I ought to, I, I ought to be, on, be on a Johnson & Johnson baby oil commercial. Look at this skin. Look at this thing. <laughs> Let me show you what God has done in my life. And let me tell you how God has restored our marriage. I was an idiot, and thank God my wife stood by me. Let me tell you about what an amazing God that we serve. Let me tell you how God met me in my darkest of hour. Let me tell you about an addiction I had in my life, but Jesus met me. Let me tell you that I was lost, and I didn't even know it until one day I realized I am lost. I'm going to hell, and that Jesus met me. I came to him, and he met me. He said, I declare you clean, my child. You belong to me. You're in my family, and now I have a life I never thought was possible. This is what Jesus says to us today. This is what we learn from this story. But some personal application for us today is that because we go and tell, we go and tell the people that Jesus wants to reach. So the religious people of the time with Jesus, they didn't want to be around this leper. No way, he's filthy. Jesus is there for me. Jesus is about me. Jesus is about my family. Jesus, and all of a sudden, no, 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 no. Jesus came for the hurting and the broken and the lost and the untouchable. He came for the addict. He came for the prisoner. He came for the homosexual. He came for the, for the, for the broken marriages. He came for the runaways. That's why Jesus came. 
And in our lives, we think, yes, but uh, I want my church to make me feel comfortable. Well, I promise you this. There was a time in your life that you made some people feel uncomfortable too. But look at you now. We, we, we got in free. We got into the grace of God and then our human nature wants those people out there to have to pay for it. Well, I got in free. But you, you, you stay over there. That is not the heart of God, my friends. That's not the, the mission of Jesus. That's not. He, he, he didn't come for the well, for the, for the healthy. He says, I have come for the sick. I've come for the broken. I've come to reach the lost. To seek and save the lost. No, notice the verb, seek, look for, go to, reach out to, get out of your comfort zone, reach your neighbor with, with, the, with the, the blessing and the life of Jesus, touch the untouchable, serve every person that's in your life, serve every person that walks through these doors. Listen, don't you, please hear my heart as your pastor, don't you dare judge a person that walks in this house and that doesn't look like you and say something to them that makes them want to leave. Do, do not misrepresent our Jesus that way. Please do not do that. But my friends, we have a message that's the greatest message in the world. There's no other message worth proclaiming. There's no other, there's, there's no other person that's worth reaching than that who is lost and broken and hurting. And I'm fully confident the Lord has entrusted us as a church to be the champions of his mission and of his voice to a lost and dying world. We are not to change their moral behavior before their hearts change. That is called religion. We're to give them Jesus and let Jesus change their hearts and let Jesus change their behavior. Let Jesus show them how to live their lives. We're to preach the gospel and make disciples. Yes, once people are saved, we help them on the journey. We, we encourage them to follow scripture. We encourage them to live that life. But listen, you can't change a gnat. You can't. Listen, on a good day, on a really good day, you can control yourself. What makes you think you can control somebody else? <laughs> That's so true. So let me encourage you, my friends. Let's embrace the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's embrace the power of the love of God. Let's embrace the mission to go and to tell. And let's make this Easter the best Easter we've ever had. Not because it's about us, but it's because we took on the mission and the commission of Jesus Christ to tell others about him. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. 
If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.